This program is presented by Birch Gold Group, the precious metal IRA specialists. Good morning. In today's headlines, a tragedy at a Virginia Walmart. Authorities believe it was a store manager who turned a weapon on employees, shooting at least six of them. President Biden has some news for those with federal student loans. Find out what moves he's making amid legal challenges to his student loan forgiveness program. Rampant problems with printers and tabulators, wait times numbering in the hours, and voters giving up in desperation. That's what a new report drawn up by 11 attorneys visiting voting centers in Maricopa County found. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy visits the southern border and is calling for Secretary of Homeland Security Mayorkas to quit. He promises an investigation and impeachment proceedings if he does not. We bring you more on McCarthy's statements yesterday. November is Native American Heritage Month. Find out how Native Americans are keeping their traditions alive. Good morning. Welcome to NTD. I'm Kevin Hogan. And I'm Evelyn Lee. Good morning. Today's Wednesday, November 23rd. And you know, Evelyn, looks like the GOP is coming after Mayorkas. They're citing the over 4 million migrants who have crossed the border illegally since President Biden took office. The DHS says Mayorkas has no plans to resign and the department has called on Congress to come up with solutions to fix the nation's broken immigration system. Yes, and hold that thought, Evelyn. Right now we're turning some tragic news that happened last night. At least seven people were killed in a shooting at a Walmart in Virginia. The shooter is also among the dead. The shooting occurred at a Walmart in Chesapeake, Virginia yesterday evening. Officers responded to the store just after 10 p.m. They found the victims along with evidence of a shooting. Details are still sketchy, but a man believed to be the store manager opened fire, then turned the gun on himself. The city of Chesapeake shared on Twitter that a press conference will be held at 8 a.m. with more information. Five patients were being treated at Centera General Hospital in nearby Norfolk, Virginia. An update on their conditions was not immediately available. And some more sad news from North Carolina. A helicopter crash along Interstate Highway 77 has left two people dead. The pilot and a passenger both worked for WBTV based in Charlotte. The men have been identified as meteorologist Jason Myers and pilot Chip Tayag. Police Chief Johnny Jennings said no vehicles were involved in the incident. Witnesses on the scene said the pilot made maneuvers prior to the crash that probably saved lives. The police chief hailed the pilot as a hero as a helicopter crashed just beside the highway, narrowly avoiding traffic. The incident will be investigated by the National Transportation Safety Board and the Federal Aviation Administration. WBTV broke the news about their co colleagues in an emotional broadcast just yesterday. Anchors Jamie Boll and Molly Grantham said the network waited to inform the families before sharing the news publicly. Grantham, Grantham said on air that all of our WBTV family are grieving Chip and Jason because we love them. In other news, the number of holiday travelers is set to approach 2019 levels this Thanksgiving. But as businesses allow employees to work remotely, travelers may be relieved of some holiday stress. 
The busiest travel days during Thanksgiving are traditionally Tuesday, Wednesday, and the Sunday following the holiday. However, the wide adoption of telecommuting means many people will begin the holiday season earlier this year, while others end the holidays a little later. Tom Hall, vice president of the travel guide Lonely Planet, says the pent-up demand for travel doesn't feel like it's going away, and that is keeping planes full and prices high. And if you have family or friends visiting from abroad, here's something to keep in mind. Best tip I have for uh, the traveling public is do some research, know before you go. Get on cbp.gov, usda.gov, it'll list the country you're coming from and several items that you are and are not allowed to bring into the United States. There usually is an increase in contraband um, for the main reason that a lot of times people give them to their relatives, give items to them that are not allowed to bring home because it's usually something that they feel like they can't get here or it's not as good as where they're coming from. And for the drivers out there, AAA recommends the best time to travel is after 8 p.m. Wednesday night and before 11 a.m. on Thanksgiving Day. It's best to avoid times between 4 and 8 p.m. And for flyers, booking earlier flights is better as they are less likely to be delayed. If you need to contact the airlines, call their international number. They offer the same service and usually have shorter wait times. And if you're worried about flight cancellation, it's easier to get a new flight if you only have carry-on luggage. And parking lots are filling up this year, so if you plan to leave your car at the airport, it's best to call ahead and book a parking spot. And if you have federal student loans, you won't have to resume payments on January 1st. That's because the Biden administration is extending the pause. Here's what President Biden had to say about it yesterday. I'm completely confident my plan is legal. But right now, it's on hold because of these lawsuits. The Secretary of Education is extending the pause on student loan payments while we seek relief from the courts, but no later than June 30, 2023. Payments will resume 60 days after the pause ends. The pause has already been extended six times. Loan payments were first put on hold by the Trump administration in early 2020. That was due to the pandemic as a relief effort. Biden's student loan student debt relief program means to cancel hundreds of billions of dollars in loans, but it's facing several court battles. A federal judge struck it down, and an appeals court is blocking it while a separate case plays out. The Justice Department is asking the Supreme Court to allow Biden's plan to take effect amid the legal challenges. The high court says it wants to hear from plaintiffs by today. The pause will last until the Supreme Court decides the case or until June 30th, whichever comes first. Interest rates will remain at 0% until repayments start. Returning now to the ongoing election saga in Arizona, a memo was published detailing the findings of nearly a dozen attorneys who visited voting sites in Maricopa County, Arizona on Election Day. It describes widespread problems with tabulation equipment along lines and voters leaving in frustration. Entities Daniel Monahan has more. We were there. We were there. Several election workers and Arizona residents testified before the Maricopa Board of Supervisors on the issues mentioned in the memo. We had 1,218 ballots. We had only 1,018 voters that checked in. The discrepancy and the number of physical ballots that I had, they came from somewhere. We had physically had them. They were not voters that walked in and checked in. We had 200 more ballots than voters. The memo was written by attorney Mark Sonenklar. He summarized the findings of 11 attorneys working with the Republican National Committee's Election Integrity Program in Maricopa County. 
It concludes that 72 of the 115 vote centers the attorneys visited experienced material problems. Sonenklar says the printer and tabulator failures and the resulting long lines at a majority of vote centers led to significant voter suppression. That impacted Republican votes more than Democrat ones because Republican voters significantly outnumbered Democrat voters in the county on Election Day. This Arizona resident addressed Board of Supervisors Chairman Bill Gates and recorder Stephen Richer. You both have lost all credibility in any shred of integrity to conduct free, Again, fair, we're not, we're, we're, no outbursts, free fair, and transparent elections here in Maricopa County. When you both opened in 2021 a political action committee to specifically defeat MAGA candidates. She told them that it is not just a conflict of interest, but rather a specific agenda and pre-bias going into the elections. A post-election survey of volunteers participating in the Arizona midterm elections was posted at whoscounting.us. It asked how confident people were that the election results in the state were completely accurate and honest. Around 84% responded not confident at all, while only 1% responded very confident. The memo states that on account of the long waiting lines, voters could have become frustrated and left without voting. Maricopa Chairman Bill Gates says that despite the problems that occurred, all votes were counted. He says the county had finished counting all legal ballots during the election and would hold a public meeting to canvass the election on November 28th. He assured there would be no delays or games and the board would act according to state law. Republican candidate Carrie Lake has not conceded the election to Katie Hobbs and is exploring her legal options. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy is calling for the resignation of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. McCarthy says if he doesn't resign, House Republicans will start impeachment procedures when they take a majority in January. And today's Jeremy Sandberg has more. Those responsible for this disaster will be held accountable. McCarthy met with Border Patrol officials in El Paso, Texas on Tuesday. He called for Mayorkas to resign and threatened impeachment procedures if he does not. His actions have produced the greatest wave of illegal immigration in recorded history. Our country may never recover from Secretary Mayorkas' dereliction of duty. The current House Minority Leader is positioned to become House Speaker when the new Congress convenes in January. He lamented the state of the southern border and the record amounts of deadly fentanyl coming into the country. McCarthy says around 300 people in the U.S. are killed every day by illegal drugs coming into the country from the southern border. He compared it to an airliner crashing daily. If an airline crashed three days in a row, the entire nation would say, we have a real challenge. We have a crisis. We have a disaster. We have to do something about it. But he continues to lie to the American public. He says the open border policies being pushed by the Biden administration and Democrats in Congress have empowered and emboldened cartels, drug smugglers, human traffickers, and terrorist organizations around the world. And that since March last year, over 100 terrorist suspects have been apprehended trying to cross the border. How many people have not been caught? Tens of thousands of illegal immigrants are being quickly released each month after crossing the border illegally by using a humanitarian parole exemption. Under parole, they are given work authorization for one year and often a cell phone to check in with. That same process is now being undertaken south of the border. 
A new report from the Center for Immigration Studies found U.S. Customs and Border Protection officials are approving entry for thousands of likely illegal aliens while they're still in Mexico. McCarthy says he expects Mayorkas's resignation by January 3rd when the new Congress convenes. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. And a Democrat district attorney in Texas is rescinding his policy on theft. He had previously decided not to prosecute thefts of items valued between $100 and $750. The Dallas County DA John Crusoe says his plan was meant to reduce incarcerations. But he, he says data now shows the policy had no effect on crime and that his reversal keeps his campaign promise to revisit the policy if re-elected. Governor Greg Abbott and Attorney General Ken Paxton sent an open letter to the DA in 2019 asking him to reconsider his so-called justice reform policies. They reminded him of his oath to enforce the law and that criminal district attorneys are not granted the power to rewrite the law. They advised him to leave that process up to lawmakers. Crusoe says he's heard people's concerns and that the policy change will take effect immediately. And coming up, after a year of saying voting machines are prone to fraud, Brazilian President Jair Bolsonaro challenges Brazil's closest ever election. And kids holding plush toys in bondage outfits spawn outrage. One fashion company has found itself in hot water due to inappropriate ads. Get the story right here on NTD Good Morning. Welcome back. President Bolsonaro of Brazil has contested the results of the country's October 30th election. He's asking the electoral authority to annul votes from half the nation's voting machines. Entity's Flinders Kingsley has the story. More than three weeks after the elections, outgoing Brazilian President Jair Bolsonaro claims an audit shows a fault in over 280,000 voting machines, which constitute 56% of total machines. If the electoral authority annuls the proposed votes, Bolsonaro would be left with 51% of the remaining votes. This report does not express the opinion of the Liberal Party, but is the result of studies prepared by specialists who graduated from one of the most respected universities in the world. The audit found that all machines dating before 2020 lacked individual identification numbers in internal logs. And according to Bolsonaro, votes from some machines should be therefore invalidated. Then it is natural to ask for an inspection so that there is no doubt in relation to our electoral system. However, independent experts say the bug doesn't affect the reliability of results, and critics of the claim say there are other ways to identify the machines, such as by the city and voting district. They also say the voting machine's digital signature ensures reliability, and while the machines don't have internal identification numbers, the numbers do appear on printed receipts. I want to say that we are here today with only one intention, to contribute to the strengthening of democracy in our country. Although many of Bolsonaro's allies have conceded defeat, the outgoing president hasn't, and protesters across the nation continue to support him. I am here today because I want Brazil's freedom. We do not accept communism. The electoral court stated they won't consider the complaint unless an audit of the first electoral round is included, an electoral round where Bolsonaro's party saw a greater success in both congressional houses. Flinders Kingsley, NTD News. Over at Twitter, Elon Musk shared a video of a surprising find at, at its headquarters. It was a closet full of t-shirts with the slogan hashtag stay, stay woke printed on them.
The post garnered 9.5 million views in just seven hours. The 12-second video posted by Musk late Tuesday night shows the billionaire businessman holding up a dark gray shirt with hashtag StayWoke printed on the front. The post comes as activists put pressure on advertisers to boycott the social media company. The fashion house Balenciaga has received backlash for ads it produced involving children. The ads show two young girls holding teddy bears dressed in what appears to be bondage gear. The fashion house has worked with stars such as Nicole Kidman. In one image, a young girl was wearing a t-shirt from the brand while holding a strap connected to a white bear. The bear was in a bondage-style vest with a padlock choker around its neck. The company apologized after receiving a wave of criticism. Another campaign from the company also spawned outrage. It showed a handbag positioned on top of a pile of papers. One of the papers was a page taken from the 2008 Supreme Court ruling United States v. Williams. That case examined whether laws banning the promotion of child pornography violated First Amendment freedom of speech rights. And as a tribute, moving on to a whole different story, as a tribute to Native American Heritage Month, NTD highlights how Native American veterans and communities alike have upheld their culture, heritage, and traditions. Let's take a look. November marks a time to celebrate, but not just for the holidays. We're always forgotten about it, and it only seems like once a month in November, once time in a year are we ever remembered again. It's just not one month. We just celebrate a lot of things in that month, but it carries on to the other 11 months also. To Native Americans, their heritage is celebrated all the time. One of such iconic celebrations is powwow, known as the gatherings of dances. They're held year-round by many different Native American tribes across the U.S. We have uh, over 365 different tribes that are here with us today from all across the United States, Canada, and parts of Mexico. Despite the name, powwows mean much more than just singing and dancing. And we want our visitors to know that we're still here, that we still exist, we still thrive. By doing these things and sharing our ways with them, In another country, they thought we were gone. I couldn't believe that. They think we're gone. It's like, no, we're still here. Native American veterans have made sure to never let Native traditions and heritage be a thing of the past. Mark Hirsch is a senior historian and author at the Smithsonian's National Museum of the American Indian. He says some veterans carried sacred items from their families. It's meant to sort of protect the, the warrior, as it were, uh, from harm. And um, I think that those, uh, you know, the people who did that really brought that part of their culture into the, literally the line of fire. I always carry um, my eagle fan with me. These are eagle feathers, and I was gifted them. Eagle feathers are very important in our, in our culture, in Native American culture. I know different um, birds, different things are important, but for me, this is what gives me strength. Spirituality is central to Native American culture. I pray, I pray for strength. In our language, in Lakota language, we say Tukanshala, which means creator. Hirsch says religious healing ceremonies are also often held to welcome and help their veterans recover from wartime. Native soldiers, unlike non-Native soldiers, came back, came back to communities that understood that and they were embraced by their communities and through ceremonies were really um, reintroduced back into the community with 
a sense of honor and, and pride. I really respect the men in the service and in the military and, and then the past and even in the future, I really respect those men. More importantly, veterans are keeping Native American culture alive not only in the military, but also within society. I would like to encourage other Natives to get out there and speak. Don't be quiet no more. We can't do this. You know, the, we have to. We have to tell our history. We have to show that we are still here. By us doing this, we're able to bring back our ways. We're hoping that the next generation will be stronger than what we are in our ways. Through powwow celebrations and honoring veterans, Native American communities proudly carry the torch of their cultural heritage into the future. Next, Manchester United Soccer Club could be up for sale. Find out what the club announced and what changes may lie ahead of the English Soccer Club. And a soccer game with a twist, the Virginia School for the Deaf and Blind is on course to give the blind a chance to compete for their country. That's after the break, so stay with us. English soccer club Manchester United is considering a sale of the club. The club also announced that its star striker Cristiano Ronaldo will leave immediately after saying he felt betrayed. Here's NTD's Cost Temenes with more. 17 years after the American Glazer family bought Manchester United, the English Premier League soccer club is heading for change. The Glazer family announced it is working with financial advisors on a process involving a potential partial sale of the club. In a statement, the club said it was exploring other options, including investments for stadium and infrastructure redevelopment. The Glazers have been the target of intense criticism as the team have gone five years without winning a trophy, the last being the Europa League and the League Cup back in 2017. Earlier this week, the club announced the departure of star striker Cristiano Ronaldo with immediate effect. It marks a bitter end to the Portugal captain's second spell at Old Trafford after he had felt betrayed by the club, as well as citing differences with club manager Eric Ten Hag. Manchester United shares jumped as much as 20% after Sky News first reported on the sale process, giving the club a market value of over $2.5 billion. At its peak in 2018, its market value was at nearly $4.5 billion. The Glazers bought the club in 2005 for nearly $1 billion, in a highly leveraged deal which has been criticized for loading debt onto the club. Cost MNS, NTD News. The U.S. may get a new national soccer team, but it won't replace the current one. This one is for the blind. Here's the story. It's been a lot of fun and enjoyable. The Virginia School for the Deaf and Blind is one of only two high schools that have a blind soccer team in the United States. And their dream is to create a national soccer league for blind athletes. Just because they have a visual impairment or are blind does not mean at all that they can't succeed in a sport such as soccer. Rachel Lavelle is the coach of the blind soccer team. She says sports aren't only about competing. For her, growing up, they gave her a chance to socialize and travel. Um, and I know, like, especially for a lot of our student population, they don't necessarily get those opportunities. So through sports, even if they aren't the most athletic, there's still so much 
for them to experience through sports here. To play blind soccer, sound is the most crucial part of the game. Players are blindfolded and there's a bell inside the soccer ball. When you have um, a blindfold on and you have, a lot, you have a lot of people trying to get to the ball at the same time and then couple that with noise from the crowd or just anything that might be around that just makes for a challenging environment. The keys to success are to create a team, listen, and communicate. Most of it comes down to practice, rest, and tips and guidance from my coaches. We just constantly remind ourselves to make sure that we're showing that even on the toughest days. And it does translate, and they're so appreciative of it. The team's growth has made a big difference to the students' confidence, especially since they're able to do what they wouldn't be able to do in an ordinary school. My family, they attended all of the uh, games that we had this season, which was very encouraging and motivating. Um, and then also my teammates gave me compliments uh, about what um, I have been doing well. And even though I might not see my improvements, it's really uh, nice to receive them from other people. And then the coaches as well have been giving us a lot of tips and advice to uh, help benefit our playing skills. Coach Rachel and her team are now working towards participating in the 2028 Paralympics. And school director Pat is hoping this year's summit will attract more students to join the team. And they, they are, this is gonna be a major attraction so that we can start building this league so that then these children could go and play at the national level. And that's huge. That's such an accomplishment. The team's dedication gives reason to be optimistic. Yeah, you know, I think this is a great opportunity for them to grow and learn that they can do things outside of the box, too. Yeah, I don't know what happened there, but this package really, I'm almost every day I'm getting inspired by the resilience that some people show in this world. It's really amazing. Oh, it is. Well, and that's all for today's program. Sorry for this small hiccup there. We'd love to hear from you. Nevertheless, you can share your thoughts and your story at goodmorning at NTD.com. So shoot us an email if you'd like. Thanks for watching. I'm Evelyn Lee. And I'm Kevin Hogan.